Thank you for joining us for our latest episode in SIFMA's podcast series. I'm Ken Benson, SIFMA's president and CEO. I'm pleased to be joined today by my colleague, Lindsay Kellyo, SIFMA managing director, head of the asset management group and associate general counsel, and SIFMA's outside counsel, Jamie Gershkow, partner at Stradley Ronan, for a discussion on the SEC's proposed money market fund amendments. So let's jump right in. Uh, Lindsay, can you give us a rundown of the events of March 2020 that the SEC argues necessitates the regulatory changes that are being proposed? Yeah, thanks, Ken. And let me also add my thanks to Jamie for joining us for the podcast today. So the SEC, and also I'll say the prudential regulators as well, believe that in March 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic caused panic, leading investors to reallocate their assets into cash and short-term government securities. Prime and tax-exempt money market funds, particularly institutional funds, experienced outflows, which contributed to stress in the short-term markets, according to the regulators. Given these concerns, according to SEC Chair Gensler, the SEC has proposed amendments that are designed to reduce the likelihood of runs happening on money market funds during periods of stress. Gensler added in his statement when the proposals are being released that he believes it will also equip funds to better meet large redemptions and address concerns about redemption costs and liquidity. I'll note that our members don't necessarily agree with these characterizations. I think we'd say that March 2020 represented an extraordinary time for our markets, and given the circumstances, money market funds actually held up quite well. But I guess we can leave it there for today's purposes. Thank you for that, Lindsay. Okay, Jamie, so let's get to the current proposal. Can you give us a high-level overview of the key elements that are important to our members? Sure, and thanks for having me join you on today's podcast. So there are six key elements to the Commission's money market fund proposal. First, the proposal would completely eliminate liquidity fee and redemption gate provisions in Rule 2A7 for all money market funds. Second, the proposal would require swing pricing for institutional prime and institutional tax-exempt money market funds. Next, the proposal would increase both daily and weekly liquid asset requirements to 25% for daily liquid assets and 50% for weekly liquid assets. There's also some related board notifications and filings on form NCR if a fund depletes 50% of those liquidity buckets. The next two aspects of the proposal relate to negative interest rate environments. The proposal would prohibit certain mechanisms for maintaining a stable NAV per share in negative interest rate environments, such as by reducing the number of fund shares outstanding. This would include reverse distribution mechanisms. The next aspect would require a government or retail money market fund to determine that financial intermediaries that submit orders have the capacity to redeem and sell the fund shares at prices that do not correspond to a stable price per share. If this determination can't be made, the fund would be required to prohibit the relevant financial intermediaries from purchasing the fund shares. And the last aspect of this proposal is increased and revised SEC reporting on Form NMFP and NCR. Yeah, thanks for that overview, Jamie. That's that's great. I'd like to maybe drill down on one of the uh, specific issues that you referenced, and that is the possible negative interest rates and how the SEC proposes to address them. This is one of the new issues and maybe the only truly new issue included in the proposal. Can you talk to us a bit about the feedback that we've gotten from our members on that and how it could potentially impact the markets? Sure. So Rule 2A7 in its current form does not explicitly address how money market funds must operate when interest rates are negative. In March 2020, when the Fed 
cut interest rates, there was a lot of discussion in the industry about what options and tools are available to stable value money market funds should rates turn negative. The Commission's now taken this opportunity to address the potential for negative interest rates. We discussed in the prior question, one aspect of the proposal is to prohibit the use of reverse distribution mechanisms or routine reverse stop splits to maintain a stable price per share. The SEC's also interpreted the existing pricing provisions of Rule 2A7 to state that if negative interest rates turn a stable NAV fund's gross yield negative, then the board may reasonably believe the stable share price does not fairly reflect the market-based NAV per share. In those circumstances, the fund would not be permitted to use the amortized cost method evaluation and instead would need to convert to a floating share price. The Commission has also stated that they believe that if interest rates turn negative, the board of a stable NAV fund could reasonably require the fund to convert to a floating share price to prevent material dilution or other unfair results to investors or current shareholders. With respect to uh, concern on these provisions, there's certain members of the industry that feel that this unduly restricts investor choice for stable value money market funds. The Commission's proposal, if adopted, would essentially leave stable value money market funds without a tool to respond to a negative interest rate environment that enables them to continue to transact at a stable price per share as it would remove RDM as a potential option in a negative interest rate environment. Certain investors may simply prefer the option to invest in a money market fund that transacts at a stable NAV that uses RDM in a negative interest rate environment versus a floating NAV money market funds. Operationally, stable value money market funds that use RDM may simply be preferable and easier for certain types of clients. And should the Commission adopt this proposal that would prohibit RDM, the Commission is removing and eliminating a preferred investment choice for investors rather than respecting investor choice. There's also concern in the industry about negative impacts to sweep programs as a result of this proposal, and also questions about whether this would reduce the size of the government and retail money market fund sectors in a way that would negatively impact the broader short-term funding markets. In the last question, we also spoke about the proposal by the Commission to add a requirement for government and retail money market funds to make certain determinations related to financial intermediaries. On this point, industry concerns are that this is simply not necessary given the fact that negative interest rates have never been used in the United States. And there's concern that this proposal would require cost prohibitive changes to a myriad of systems that may cause intermediaries to no longer offer government and retail money market funds to their customers. And this, in turn, could shrink the size of this very valuable segment of the market. The industry, there's a view that this is just simply inappropriate and not necessary to adopt sweeping regulatory reforms that would impose significant costs on the industry to protect against an event that has never occurred in the United States and is currently unlikely in the near term. So, Jamie, on top of that, there's there's another uh, element of this rulemaking that's gotten a lot of airtime, and that's swing pricing. Could you give us an overview of what swing pricing is and how exactly the SEC believes it will work for money market funds? Swing pricing is the process of adjusting a fund's current NAV per share by a swing factor if the fund has net redemptions for the pricing period. 
A swing factor is essentially a premium over NAV that an investor would be required to pay the fund to make it whole for the costs incurred in selling portfolio securities to meet the investor's redemption requests during periods of net redemptions. The Commission's proposal, in its current form, would apply to all institutional prime and institutional tax-exempt money market funds and would apply in all types of market conditions if the fund had net redemptions for a pricing period. The pricing period in the Commission's proposal is the period of time in order to purchase or sell securities issued by the fund must be received in order to get the next computed NAV. And this definition is intended uh, to accommodate money market funds that have multiple NAV strike times per day, but would require those funds to go through the swing pricing process for each corresponding NAV calculation throughout the day. Under the proposal, a swing pricing administrator would be responsible for determining the swing factor through good faith estimates of the cost the fund would incur if it's a pro rata amount of each security in its portfolio, or essentially a vertical slice of its portfolio, to satisfy the amount of net redemptions that it had for the pricing period. Determination of the swing factor, including the factors that the swing pricing administrator is required to consider, differs depending upon whether the fund exceeds a market impact threshold that the SEC has set in this proposal. In determining whether a fund has net redemptions and the amount of net redemptions, the swing pricing administrator makes this determination based on receipt of sufficient investor flow information for the pricing period and may include reasonable estimates for necessary. Now for funds with net redemptions for the pricing period, the good faith estimates used in the swing factor include spread costs, such that the fund is valuing each security at its bid price, and transaction costs. If the institutional fund has net redemptions for a pricing period that exceeds a market impact threshold, which the SEC has currently defined as 4% of the fund's NAV divided by the number of pricing periods the fund has in a business day, then the swing factor would also be required to include market impacts. So as you mentioned, there's been a lot of talk uh, around this specific proposal. In addition to significant questions about whether an anti-dilution measure like swing pricing is appropriate or necessary for money market funds, given that this product by design is intended to handle a large amount of flows and typically meets redemption with maturing securities versus selling securities and including transaction costs, there's a lot of serious questions about this proposal and whether this essentially eliminates the cash management functions for which money market funds are used and and designed. There's also a host of significant operational issues. For example, do money market funds have sufficient flow information in order to make these determinations for swing pricing within their their current time time periods for settlement? Will these funds still have enough time to provide same-day settlement under this proposal? Will funds still offer multiple NAV strikes given the onerous requirements of this proposal? And how do you, how do you determine market impacts at times when the commercial paper market could be no bid during times of stress? In addition, there's significant costs and infrastructure in order to implement this. So um, I expect to see a, a lot of comment letters uh, in opposition of this aspect of the proposal. I'll just say on that point, Ken, before we move on to the next issue, that that those issues that uh, Jamie's raising at the end there, we've heard from many, many of our members on. And, and for that reason, we aren't going to support 
And indeed, I think most of the folks who will be weighing in on this proposal won't be supporting there being swing pricing for money market funds. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, the, 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 those comments. I mean, it, it, to say it's complex would be an understatement uh, <laughs> and, and, and the operational issues around it. Um, in addition, what about fees and gates? Can you, can you briefly explain the current requirements and explain why the SEC is proposing to remove them? Liquidity fees and redemption gates were added to Rule 287 in connection with the last round of fundamental reforms in 2014. Under the current form of Rule 287, if a fund's weekly liquid assets fall below 30%, the fund can impose a liquidity fee of up to 2% or a redemption gate if the board makes a finding that it's in the best interest of the fund to do so. In March 2020, we saw these tools, which were intended as tools to help address a potential run on the fund, not quite play out as intended. Instead, they produced unintended consequences of actually incentivizing, incentivizing redemption behavior as weekly liquid assets got closer to 30% because investors were concerned in particular that a redemption gate would go into place and they would not be able to access their liquidity. So these tools actually had a destabilizing effect on certain money market funds. The commission took this opportunity to study that behavior and the impact of these provisions on money market funds and ultimately decided to propose to remove liquidity fees and redemption gates from Rule 2A7. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. That's a that's a great segue to the last question I think we have for you today, which is I know in the past if AMG has supported removing both fees and gates or at least decoupling them from liquidity. But in the comment letter that we're currently drafting and putting together, I know we're discussing potentially putting in an alternative fee structure. Can you discuss why that's important and why uh, we're looking at providing that to the SEC in our in our written comments? Sure. So for the, the extensive reasons we've discussed previously, there's strong opposition to the commission's swing pricing proposal. And given the extensive issues related to swing pricing, to the extent that the commission continues to believe, based on data-driven findings and analysis, that an additional anti-dilution mechanism is necessary for certain types of funds, there's a, a sentiment that using liquidity fees as this mechanism for certain types of money market funds may be the better approach and that a properly defined and calibrated fee can successfully serve as an effective and preferable liquidity risk management tool to the extent that there's data and findings that support the notion that money market funds even experience dilution in a manner that requires an anti-dilution tool. Among some of the benefits that a liquidity fee could offer as compared to swing pricing is that Liquidity fees can provide greater transparency for redeeming investors of the liquidity costs they're incurring, whereas investors might not have as much insight into the swing factor being applied and when it would be applied. Liquidity fees also provide a mechanism for imposing liquidity costs directly on redeeming investors without also providing a discount to subscribing investors through a downward adjustment of the fund's transaction price. And investors are more familiar with the concept of liquidity fees from the adoption of reforms in 2014 that impose liquidity fees for money market funds, and also from the open-end mutual fund construct that permits the charging of redemption fees. So we're currently working through what a liquidity fee structure could look like, but to the extent that, you know, based on data and analysis from the SEC, that an anti-dilution mechanism is needed, 
you know, we think that a properly calibrated liquidity fee could address the SEC's anti-dilution concerns and, and meet their policy goals in a more effective manner than swing pricing. Thank you, Lindsay and Jamie, for joining me today to help provide some background and clarity on these proposed money market fund amendments. SIFMA's Asset Management Group will continue to engage with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, as well as the Financial Stability Board, IOSCO, and other global regulators as potential rulemakings develop. Thank you for listening today for this discussion. And to learn more about SIFMA and SIFMA AMG and our work to promote effective and resilient capital markets, please visit www.sifma.org. <music>